Hello and welcome to Radio Teco. My name is Monty Rossetti. With El Tecolote celebrating another year around the sun, we want to share with you another Radio Teco Rewind as we go back to our conversation from last year with El Tecolote founder Juan Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Radio Teco News. My name is Monterosetti. Today, we have a very special guest, El Tecolote founder, Juan Gonzalez. It was such a pleasure talking to the legend himself and fun to learn more about his life growing up in the Central Valley, his very early start in journalism, and what it takes to create a newspaper that has 50 plus years of experience when it comes to informing our community. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening to Radio Teco. We want to continue to be connected to our community, so please leave us a rating and review. There's a great chance your review will be read on a future episode. All right, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend of El Tecolote, Juan Gonzalez. Juan, as I start off every interview, uh, I'm going to ask you, how are you doing today? Doing fine. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm back into the teaching mode. I started the semester a week ago. So it's, um, you know, it's always, I always get a like doing, like to teach, especially the, my profession, which is journalism. So it's always a welcome um, breath of fresh air to do it in with new students and see how they blossom uh, through the semester. I love that. I love that. And and let's, let, let me ask you, how many years, what, what year are you in, uh, in, in, in teaching right now? Uh, I started at City College in, 19, in spring of ni- 1980. Mm-hmm. So that's about, uh, what? 42 30, years. Yeah, and then, uh, then I taught 15 years at San Francisco State. So I'm like, I think I'm at 52 years, actually. About wow. At the same time I started Tecolote. So, so, so I've been teaching and publishing El Tecolote about, the same amount of years you've been busy you've been busy so and i'm happy you brought up el tecolote because uh we're going to mainly be talking about el tecolote and the, the beginning of el tecolote but let's actually go even further back let's start at the very beginning of juan gonzalez uh let our listeners know where are you from originally and, and where did you grow up well I'm, I'm originally from stockton california which is about 80 miles here from, in the central valley and i grew up there uh was there all the way through community college uh, my parents were uh, farm laborers, farm workers, and then eventually my dad got a, a job in uh, the, a lumber mill, and my mom was working in stores as a clerk or in theaters as a clerk. And so I grew up in that environment, um, pretty much a, a Mexicano community, you know. Um, and but I, I for, I've, well, it's my good fortune. I lived, even though it was a poor neighborhood, I lived in a very racially mixed neighborhood. So there was poor whites, blacks, Filipinos, you know, you name it, every every group was there. And, um, and our school was racially mixed and stuff like that. We, we had our share of issues, you know, as always with, with young people in classrooms and stuff like that and trying to define themselves. Mm-hmm. But it was a good experience. And I, I really, I think working, you know, growing up working class and with a, a mixed 
a mix uh, mixing of people, different cultures, um, was actually a good thing for me in the long run. And and what got you into journalism? Well, I, I was always uh, as a young young boy, uh, always writing. I, I seemed to knack a knack for writing poetry and short stories and Christmas plays that I got the cousins together and re re reacted, you know, carried out the the play for the family. And that just writing seemed to be a bug in me, you know, something that I really wanted to do, but I didn't know, you know, where I was going to head with it. But eventually when I started going to school, you know, there was like a literary magazine at the middle school and I joined that and did some poetry and some illustrations. And, and then in high school, there was a high school newspaper. And eventually after I couldn't join in the first year because it was, it was off base for freshmen. But by you know my sophomore year, I joined the camp the campus newspaper and was there for three years. So I, I said, well, that's a place where I could write, and and I I wasn't really thinking journalism, but it was a place to do some writing and be creative. And I had a camera and I could shoot photographs and stuff like that. But that seemed to catch my my attention and suddenly developing a passion that this is something that might be of you know might be worth pursuing in terms of. Since the counselor was saying, think about a career, think about a career, I started kind of more and more gravitating to that. And I was fortunate to become the editor of the high school paper. And um, and so by the time I left high school and went on to the community college, local community college, San Joaquin Delta College, uh, I stuck with journalism and um, became the editor of the paper there for a couple of semesters. And uh, at that point, and I won my first award in high school was from the San Francisco Press Club, recognized me for some writing. And I won awards at community college. And by, by winning those awards, it's sort of like, you know, pretty much said to me this, someone out there, professionals think that you have a talent and you might as well pursue it and think about, you know, think of doing, making a career of this. And by that time, it wasn't very, it didn't take very much convincing to do that. We already had a passion for, for writing and, doing journalism. So it was, uh, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, whether opportunities could open up for me down the road and, and going to school. And, and that's when I decided to go to San Francisco State uh, to be trained in journalism, uh, you know, in, in that field. And so by that time, I was pretty convinced this is, this is my, this is where I was headed. I just didn't know where, but that certainly was a, a career calling for me. That's great, and, and and like you, I'm also a a, a former Gator, uh, San Francisco State. So I'm I'm happy we have at least that in common. But again, I'm hoping that I can be such a legend like you are uh, one day. But but back to you. Um, where did you get the idea for a bilingual Spanish English newspaper? Where, where did that idea come from? Well, I for a long time as as I started thinking about what I wanted to do, I had always been in the back of my head thinking that I would love to start a newspaper sometime. In my lifetime, and you know, and I was thinking at the age of forty would probably be a good time to do that. But I was caught up at I was a student at San Francisco State at the time of the Third World Liberations uh, Organization and uh, and the student strike for ethnic studies and for open admissions and you know all those kinds of things to kind of at the hiring of you know more um, uh, people of color as instructors and stuff like that. So. I was caught up in all that, uh, what was going on. And, and at that time I was reporting and, and doing photography for the campus newspaper, The Phoenix, which was a new paper at the time, uh, uh, sponsored by the journalism department. So, you know, doing that and covering that sort of like 
you know, got me, basically forced me to think about what I want to do with this career I was thinking about, because my initial thoughts were, oh, I want to work for the New York Times, the Washington Post, Life Magazine, you know, big, big time. And uh, and one striker one time said to me, approached me, and, and they were pretty cool with me, knowing that I was trying to cover the story in, in, a, in a truthful way and trying to make sure that the editors weren't, uh, you know, overshadowing with negative news about the the demands, the legitimacy of the demands and stuff like that. Uh, so they realized that I maybe could play a role there. And so they didn't bother me. But one student came up to me and said, well, you know, this journalism, what are you going to do with your skills? And I said, well, I'd like to work at blah, blah, blah. He said, you ever thought about, you know, once you get these skills, uh, apply them to your community, you know, use those skills to, that's going to benefit people in terms of getting information. And if you have, there's a voice out there for them that can look at their concerns and raise those issues and stuff like that. And even, you know, write stories about the culture. And so that gives cultural identity to the gente and stuff like that. And I never thought of it. I never thought that that was something that um, that could have been my calling kind of thing, you know, I bet. But, you know, it intrigued me. And um, and at that time, you know, um, you know, you know, the Department of School of Ethnic Studies emerged. The Department of La Raza Studies was part of that. And I had taken a course in uh, one of the courses that they first uh, established. I think it was a community organizing course. And uh, two of the professors there were really uh, were good. Uh, Jim Queen and Ben Martinez. They really kind of again cemented in my mind, you know, you know what I need to do with these skills I was developing. Uh, so they approached me about close to the end of the semester and said, "Look at that." We're still developing our curriculum here. You know, you're a journalism student. Seems like you have a good, you know, good head on your shoulders. So, why don't you create a, a course for us called a course in journalism or media? We don't have anything like that. And I said, Well, look at I. I've never done that. You know, and they said, well, that's okay. You know, just put some ideas together, and you know, we'll help you. We'll kind of shape it to how it's supposed to be submitted. So I said, Man, you know, come on. We really, you know, I think this is really important. I think you can contribute. So after some, you know, continued uh, prodding, I said, okay, I'll do it. So I developed a course called La Raza Journalism, which was going to be a course uh, to talk about the, the media and it's how the media, you know, uh, negative portrayals of Latinos in, in the press and the, and the media in general. And also I figured, well, I, well, I got students there, I'll train them how to write and maybe we can get stories about, in this case, the Mission District out there someplace published. So uh, they got the course approved. I mean, it went quickly. I said, oh man, great. And they said, we'd like you to teach it, Juan. And I said, uh, you know, I, I haven't taught, I'm just graduating, you know, <laughs> just getting my degree after this semester, that which is in the uh, fall of, of, of 1979, no, 1970, I guess. And, and, um, and I, I said, well, we want to teach this course in the, in the spring of, of um, 71 so or 70 or something like that. anyway you know, right in that time period and i said well look i i've never taught and they said well don't worry about it we you know we'll we'll train you we'll we'll be there for you so that nah, nah, and they kept on prodding me right i said okay all right you know thinking that i'm not going to get i'm not going to get selected and lo and behold i they said well you're you're the instructor of that class you got approved so that course really got me into first track of teaching and being in front of students to, to, to large degree. 
and really did some soul searching in terms of what I wanted to do and rethinking how I was going to use my, my background and my skills that I developed, my insights to kind of help others that would actually lead to writing stories about our people. But we were writing all these stories in the class, but there was no place to publish them. The mission was pretty, you know, uh, pretty, uh, didn't have a whole lot of publications going. If they did, they were more, um, you know, focused on cult, on social news and news of Latin America and nothing, you know, very little in terms of the community and that kind of stuff. The one newspaper that was existed, uh, I think it was called La Mision, was folding because the organization United neighborhood organization uh, decided that they wanted to kill the paper because they wanted to use the resources to, for the services they were intending initially to provide social services. So there was nothing there, you know, and, uh, and the newspaper that was emerging was, you know, the Bastaya around the defending the, the, the members of Los Siete and, and the whole defense for them. And, but, you know, they were organ of the organization. So it was more focused on the organization and what they were doing in the defense. And they did their stories on the neighborhood, kind of critical analysis, which, which at, at times are pretty good stories. But, you know, there were just, there were just other newspapers around, but they were just social. Maybe there was at, at best about four or five publications, but nothing that I envisioned would be a, a really clear neighborhood newspaper focus on the issues in the neighborhood and the culture of the neighborhood and that kind of stuff. So it just made log logical sense that um, through this class, maybe was, you know, with in that idea of starting a newspaper, maybe it's going to happen a lot sooner than I envisioned. And so um, we met in the summer, some of the students and some of the people who were in the neighborhood. Uh, one of the reporters from La, La Mission decided she wanted to hook up with us. So we had a, maybe about a dozen people that got together and started a meeting and everyone was committed. Yeah, let's do a newspaper. Um, and we'll call it El Tecolote, which took about two or three hours to decide on the name, but we wanted a name that wasn't, had a political connotation, but just that because people would, that time, if you had a name like Coraje or Sangre or Revolución, people wouldn't pick up the paper, right? And we wanted to say, look, we want people to pick it up, not so because of the title of the paper, but, you know, best of the, if they're going to leave the paper, not read it because of the content, then that's fine. But just not to get it because it has this, you know, uh, revolutionary name, this, mm -hmm. you know, was, could be defeat the purpose of doing this publication. So anyway, so we did it. And by, you know, we organized in the summer and put together a fundraiser, a neighborhood uh, amateur talent show, raised about three to $400. And by August 24th, we had three to $400 to start the paper. And it only cost us $75 for 5,000 copies, four pages. And so we were said, hey, we got enough paper money here to publish at least, you know, four or six papers, you know, so, um, so on August 24th, um, you know, was the birth is the birthday of the newspaper and we got it going and we've been continuing on ever since. That's awesome. And, and I mean, thank you for telling me that story because it's, it's, it's honestly amazing to, to see, yeah, you know, you got yourself into these pretty cool experiences at a very early age, and you're able to take full advantage of it and, and, and create this amazing career in both uh, creating a newspaper, which was like you said, your 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 goal and your dream. Um, you did say that that was um, a dream of yours when you were 40. But what, what age were you when Decolote actually launched? I'm assuming you did at 
before that goal yeah, of 40, I was, right? I was about 22 years old, I think it was. That you know. is nuts, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, no, and let's let's talk about like the the, the early years of Tecolote and, and, and having it grow. I mean, obviously, you know, in today's day and age, there's a lot of social media and that's kind of a, a, a big arm of, of the marketing uh, for 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 any kind of business to grow, how was it for you to to see El Tecolote grow? Did you see um, it received well by the people in the mission as well? Was it something that people wanted as well? Yeah, how was how was these steps to to see Teco grow in the early early days? Yeah, it was it was pretty challenging because it was a new paper. People didn't know what was this all about. It was you know the, it was a the time period of great unrest in this country and, and political movements and. You know, people oftentimes will have a vision. Well, this new thing is probably a radical paper kind of thing, and uh, so it was. It, it 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 was it was really um, challenging. But uh, I told people on the staff, look, if we're going to make a commitment to put out this paper, we can. I think it's easy to put out one edition, but if we want to make this a, a a neighborhood newspaper in every sense of the word and be here for a, a long time, you know, we need to think about making a, a you know five year commitment at least. And so within five years, we can see is the paper being accepted? Is it going out? Are people picking it up? And, and uh, we still get people to come and volunteer and work with us. And so um, people said, yeah, they would stay, you know, work as long as they could. Some maybe left a little earlier than that, but it was a commitment to see this through. And I think that that the fact that we're able to come out every, as we said, every two weeks at that time, would come out on the dates that we said we would. And we had content that was reflective of the neighborhood. We talked to people in the neighborhood who were our sources. Uh, and we made every, every effort to make it look nice and attractive and that kind of stuff. And so I think, I think it, you know, in time, it really was a, became more accepted that this, this was a paper of, you know, some legitimacy because it's been here now for a year and it's still going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think as, over the years, as we went beyond five years and ten, went to ten and twenty. I think by by, by that time, people were not recognizing this is this is the mission newspaper. You know, this is the paper of this community, and it, and and as long as we stayed clear about our mission was to, you know, talk about you know, the issues in the neighborhood and you know, showcase the popular culture in our neighborhood, not not focus on stories about Julio Iglesias and all that, but mm -hmm. people. In the neighborhood, do the arts and do the music and do, you know, our creative and all that. You know, oftentimes don't appear in the Chronicle and Examiner. And we said, look, we're going to try to make a difference. That you know, we're if anyone's going to focus on folks that live in this neighborhood and our social services and our community centers and stuff like that, and you know, we're going to do it. We're going to make that commitment. So, I think all that really helped uh, galvanize people to say, yeah, we, we want, we want to read this paper. We want to pick it up, and. And over the years, you finally found, you know, you know, the racks were empty. People were picking up the paper. People were sharing. In fact, uh, one time I took a politician uh, wanted to uh, kind of get a little tour of the neighborhood. I took them around, and um, and we came by a vendor selling um, elotes or something like that. And, um, and the little old lady uh, heard us talking about tecolote. I mentioned tecolote, and she she whipped out a tecolote underneath her little cart and held it up and said, this is a tecolote in Spanish, you know. Es periódico de misión, nuestra gente, and this is our people, this is our paper, this is our paper. 
and you know I was surprised, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and the politician was wow taken by it. You know, saying wow, I guess you really made some inroads. I said yeah, you know uh, you just never know when it's going to be sh showcased. You know, and that, and it was it kind of set set in my mind that what we're doing is good. We must be touching the hearts and souls of our people. Uh, and, and you know, and you know, I won't say everyone, but you know, there's uh, there are time there are people in the neighborhood that basically um, either disagree with it. In the early days of the paper, it was not uncommon to have people come in, bust our windows, uh, uh, ransack our offices. I even got uh, phone calls, uh, you know, we're going to kill you, you know, kind of thing. So there were reactionary elements in the in the community that really didn't like who we're doing and what we represented. Um, you know, we're, you know, in many ways, a progressive newspaper at that time, uh, very much, I uh, think, in the third world, you know, go, you know, working with the other communities of color, um, anti-imperialist kind of thing, philosophy. Um, yeah, we had some politics, but, you know, we were going to, you know, put those politics out of the, you know, so be, just be a, a mouthpiece for those kinds of values and visions, although, although, support them but the, the big need was focusing on the neighborhood and what was going on and al analyze why things were happening and why it's important to for people to mobilize and fight against the injustices that are taking place i think that's probably our calling is to really be a, a champion for those kinds of efforts to make social change in our neighborhood good things that are good and to benefit our community no, yeah, I mean, again, a, a, another great, great answer, and and uh, I mean, it was during a time, obviously, where representation was really becoming a key factor in every community, and uh, it was working in the arts, um, and 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 a lot of you know civil rights movements were going on as well. So obviously, a newspaper that was kind of the mouthpiece for the Latino community in the mission that was definitely needed, and and you you helped fill that void. Let's talk about some other great memories kind of like you talked about the lady that was selling um the elote what other memories as as the newspaper was growing because i mean obviously you know everyone has the dream to to succeed in their field and and for you it must have been this amazing feeling you know 10 20 years 30 years you see this newspaper still growing what have been some of the highlights that you've been able to to, to pull from uh in in the 52 years of of decorote's existence yeah well you know we we were never out of the streets, so to speak, you know, we always got some support from whether it's organizations or individuals to house the paper when we needed a place to, to do that. You know, um, Central Latino was the first place to open their doors and let us have an office for, I don't know, five or six years. Uh, we also had a space at the Mission Cultural Center at one time uh, doing that. We, you know, we, People's homes, they opened up their homes and let us work there and have a space in their homes or the garage. Uh, the, I, I think the New College of California, which is a, now it's, I don't think it's there anymore, but on Valencia, we're housed there, you know. Um, so we had different places that uh, were able, were, gave us, uh, harbored us uh, to do our work. And, and because they believed in what we were doing is, is just and, and they liked what we were doing. And, and so, and, and it was rent free. For the most part, you know, they, they knew we were shorthanded of funds, but the, and, and that was that's always something you know kind of dear to my heart is that the outpouring of support we've had over the years. 
and then uh, the other thing is, of course, is you know the the, the the army of volunteers we've had over the years. You know, people who just come to us to want to write or do photography, do illustrations, do layout, you name it. Um, we just been blessed that people have seen that the value of the paper and and they wanted to help in some regard and at the same time pick up some skills. You know, so. Um, I mean, it's always heartwarming to, to realize that because I'll be honest with you, you know, one paper, one person can start the paper, but it takes an army of people to to really keep it going. And I, I really, I really respect all that those people, everyone, everyone out there that had some role to play in the paper. I mean, without them, we wouldn't be able to achieve what we do, what we've been able to do 50 years and counting in terms of publishing. So anyone who volunteered to to the paper at one time and in the life of that paper, I take my hats off to you and say thank you, because uh, it really meant a lot and continues to mean a lot to us. No, and, and you created something that I experienced it when I go and I reach out to somebody to be a, a guest on, on this show. And you'd say the name El Tecolote, and it's an automatic yes, for sure. I know what that newspaper represents, and I would love to talk to you, um, and 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 you know, voice whatever concern that helps the Latino community. And and you were able to create that 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 mouthpiece for the Latino community, and and to connect with people. So that's something you know, obviously credit to your work. But like you said, the many many people, uh, the many many organizations, including Action Latina, who have helped this company, this this organization, this newspaper grow. Um, I, my last question then would be, so you see what El Tecolote is today, and, and we've talked about it, this amazing uh, newspaper that represents the mission districts. Um, and for me, I would even say it represents more than just the the, the, the Latinx community in the mission, but just, you know, a, a big portion of, of, of San Francisco, because I know it goes all the way out to Oakland as well. And it's also um, in, in parts in Daly City, the, the paper form, and then now even online it's this uh you know you can grab it wherever you want you can listen to this podcast wherever you want is there moments where today in 2022 you think of Juan from 1970 and you're like wow i did not assume it would be this big i don't i didn't think it would still be going on for this long do you <laughs> yeah what's what's what goes on in in your head i mean obviously you're doing a million different uh you're wearing a million different hats but there has to be a moment where you stop and think of decolote's uh growth and you're just like Wow, this is something that like I was pushing when I was 22 years old, and, and it's still here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is. Is this? Um, it's actually gratifying that uh, you know you never know when you start something and how it's going to evolve. But you know, I, I think you know my persistence and commitment to doing this, and 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 initially I was only do five years, and I said, well, five more years, and then eventually I'll say five more years, and then eventually I said, you know what? I can't put any time frame on it. It's just, I love this work, and it'll take me to wherever you know at whatever times necessary. But it's it's just been so so gratifying, and I never look at I, I never look at try to look at it just my personal accomplishment. You know, I because it took more than just me to do that. Yeah, sure, it's going to take a spark of someone to kind of get initially going, but it's really a, a paper that is. Uh, that represents a lot of a lot of uh, work by a lot of people, and uh, you know we've been blessed. You know our stories have have been uh, have been published in other newspapers, mainstream newspapers around the area. Media has picked up our stories. Uh, we did some stories that I really feel strongly about that we did well. We exposed the uh, 
the lack of bilingual health services at San Francisco General Hospital, and they made the immediate some changes after that story happened. Um, the lack of bilingual telephone service uh, that led to the statewide hearings. Our stories in the paper led to changes in that, how they were going to, you know, Pacific Telephone and Telegraph at that time. That was the name of the telephone company. We're going to change their the way of serving the non-English speaking folks, and we were of course targeting Latinos. And you know, so I just know we've done stories that have been you know, um, equal to anyone who's doing journalism, you know, no matter how much funds you get, et cetera. We, you know, we don't necessarily rely on a whole lot of funds, you know, but we still good quality work that we do. And I'm impressed by the reporting staff and the, and the passion that people have here. And then who would have thought that we would have our own building? You know, uh, I mean, that was always part of my dream that at some point we'd own our own building and have not to be, you know, uh, nomads anymore. We'd have our own place and we could turn that into a center of some sort, uh, you know, um, training people to be journalists and in a, in a, in a, in a very active, active center that we do a lot of things now. So um, that, was a, that was a big dream come true that we would have that in our, in our, in, in our, on our plates. And then of course, you know, how the papers evolved for video casts and podcasting and you know, the the website looks good and, you know, things, we're doing things. Now we have people who are now getting paid to work in some capacity with the paper and the next challenge is to bring in more resources to pay even uh, some of the volunteers who do stories and stuff like that. Um, um, so, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, you, you keep dreaming, mm -hmm. you know, dreams do come true, but it takes work and takes commitment and, you know, and, uh, and, and eventually those things uh, will have fruition so that you, the things that you want to do initially are now just part of the, a part of what the Tecolote is. So it's been a, it's been a great ride. Okay. And, uh, you know, and I think there's still a lot more to come when it comes to, to a newspaper and it's the evolution. Uh, the last chapter is yet to be written and I'm hope I'm around to see that even, uh, uh, become uh, uh, much more than what it represents today. It's uh, I just been so impressed by the people who are working at now, and and uh, and and the fact that we've been able to keep it going, and and it has evolved the paper of recognition not only in the mission but throughout the journalistic community. People know the paper. We win awards from you know contests from different uh, news or news journalism organizations, and you know people you know, uh, and I think they have a great appreciation for the effort we've done and how long it's taken, but we've um, stayed the course and made the commitment and sacrifices and uh, a personal time or even some of the monies we have to go after, but we made it happen in a, to, the, to the benefit our, of our community. And that's what it's all about, serving our community, being there to make sure that their information needs are, are guaranteed to a, a vehicle like El Tecolote. And uh, I mean, there's always room for improvement, but, um, there's still time to do that as well. So I, I'm just very appreciative of everyone who's commented about the paper. And I, like I said, uh, 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 I can with all honesty say uh, that little 22 year old uh, <laughs> did something and uh, and uh, made it happen. And uh, and I'm just blessed that uh, a lot of people are part of us, part of what we do today in the benefit of our community, Latinos in the Mission District.
Juan Gonzalez, the founder of El Tecolote. And, and I just want to say thank you for, for, for being that spark that created this newspaper, for, for giving me the opportunity, you know, 50 years later to be able to host this podcast as part of a, a, a legendary institution like El Tecolote is. Um, and, and thank you for being a guest on our show uh, here today. And, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hi, my name is Fatima Ramirez, and I'm the executive director of Acción Latina, the proud publisher of El Tecolote newspaper. I would like to personally invite you to our Golden Legacy Gala happening on August 26, 2023 at St. Mary's Cathedral in San Francisco. We are celebrating 53 years of award-winning bilingual journalism in service to the Latinx community in the Bay Area and beyond. Join us for a fun-filled night with hosts Rick Salinas and Richard Montoya from Culture Clash, live music by La Familia Peña Govea and Conjunto Corazón featuring Francisco Herrera, Jose Cuellar, Liliana Herrera, and Enrique Ramirez, and dance the night away with the John Santos Sextet and friends. Bid on our silent art auction and buy your tickets to this historic gala celebration at accionlatina.org. Donations are also appreciated. Muchas gracias. <laughs>